are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. And it was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally job locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Great partnership. Last week, we were on the air, strangely enough, with the young and talented Dalton Kraft, who is 13 years old and an eighth grader at Erickson Middle School in Allen, Texas, where he is also the school mascot. I chose him because he has already identified his chosen career path to become an actor and spent the last two years working at it already, having starred in two independent films. We talked about how he was able to determine his path at such a young age and how he has enrolled people in his life to pursue his craft, something that I know many grown adults wish they could have done a long time ago and are still looking for the thing they are meant to do. Very inspiring and fun interview, and we actually recorded it via Facebook live stream as well and had a great interactive audience who asked many good questions. So on the heels of that, for this week's conversation, with me is Natasha Saunders, who is the CEO and founder of the Youth Career Coach. She is on a mission to prepare the next generation of young professionals for success through career and leadership development training. Her career writing appears also in such places as The Parent's Guide to Starting the Career Conversation with InsideJobs.com, Why Internships Are Good, The Best Education Money Can't Buy, and a Chapter 5 author of the book Obama and Black Loyalty, Volume 1. She joins us today from Alexandria, Virginia. Natasha, it's great to have you with me. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you so much. I'm very excited and honored to be a part oh, of the show. I'm so glad. And I want our listeners to know that I found you on Twitter, right? Yes. Another guest from Twitter, right? I just, I, we just happened to connect. And I, then I, once I saw you and, and I saw some of your posts and then I went to your website and see what you did, I said, you have to come on my show. And you oh. thankfully said, yes. And here we are. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, I want to extract as, as much as I can out of you in this short time that we have together. So um, I do want to get into your background because I think that's such an interesting part of who you are. But before we get into that, just to orient our listeners, will you say just a bit about the work that you do at the Youth Career Coach, the business that you run? Sure. Um, in short, I like to say that my role is to help students start, navigate, and accept in their early careers. And I do that by coaching, career coaching, by providing workshops or webinars, anything that would really support them in that journey. And I like to say that I cover the fundamentals, the basics, how to write a basic resume, 
interviewing, negotiating, um, even how to work a room, you know, attending career fairs and networking events and things of that nature, and also how to use social media as well properly to brand yourself and to network. So that's pretty much what I do as the youth career coach. Okay, we're going to talk more about that on the second segment because I want to I want to really jump into that, and I do want to say that a lot of what you just described I do in a class that I teach um, senior public relations students at Southern Methodist, Southern Methodist University. So I have a general idea of what you do, and I wish I would have had your services. Let's just call it thirty years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> just the other day. <laughs> just the other day. Um, and, and what is it that you love about this work? Um. You know, it's it's really the outcomes. And someone had asked me this question not too um, long ago, and I thought, you know, sometimes it's it could be um, disheartening if maybe a student doesn't achieve the outcome that they want immediately. Um, sometimes it's a challenge working with a student that may have dreams and aspirations of their own, but they have a parent that's paying their tuition. Or maybe that student has um, different roadblocks. It could be an income roadblock. It could be their address and their zip code. Um, It could be their learning styles um, and things of that nature. And so... I love the the end result. So the the process might be difficult, but the end, when a student comes back to me a year later and says, oh, I landed this internship, I got this job, um, or something of that nature, then it's very, very rewarding. Hmm. Oh, I could I could share some stories. Let's keep the focus on you because I can relate to that feeling, and I know that feeling as well. And I, I didn't do it full time like you're doing it now, but have done some of that work. Right. Um, so I know that feeling. Um, all right. So I want to get into a little bit of your 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 life story. I, I am, as you know, a meeting and work researcher, and I had to ask the last question about what it is you love about your work. But also, I've mm-hmm. been very intrigued with how people navigate their lives, and I think you have quite a compelling life story that I think contributes to your perspective on the work that you do today. So will you share some of the the pertinent aspects of your life and what made you who you are today? Um, Sure. (laughs) Let's see how I can (laughs) shorten that. Um, Most of the time, when I'm giving a presentation, I will ask them not to do my introduction. And they'll say, wait, but we have this bio. What do you mean? I say, no, I'll I'll do the introduction. And so I walk up to the front of the room and I hold up some signs. And on these signs, there are words. And I ask the audience um, that are usually students or mentors or teachers or educators or whomever, um, I'm going to hold up these words. And when I hold them up, I'm going to read them out loud. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've experienced this or if you know someone who has experienced this. And so some of the words that I'll hold up are um, abuse. I'll hold up rape. I'll hold up growing up in a home with an alcoholic parent. I'll hold up growing up in a home in low-income housing. I will um, hold up a sign that says death of a loved one. I'll hold up a sign that says learning disability. And so with that, I then fast forward to holding up signs that say 
um, first-generation college graduate, dual master's degree holder, small business owner, goodwill ambassador, uh, Miss Black Rhode Island USA. And so when I'm holding up, I'll have the crowd kind of hold up the negative and the positive, and I'll stand in the middle, and I'll say, where am I getting at with these words? Where am I getting at with this message? And they'll pause for a moment, and then like a light bulb will go off, and I'll say, yes, this is me, and this is my story. And so I am the first in my immediate family to have, you know, graduated with multiple degrees, or I was a victim of domestic violence. I was raped while I was in college. I did have a parent who was an alcoholic, and so I witnessed that in my home. I do have a brother who was found dead in the Cambridge River in Massachusetts. I was diagnosed with a learning disability. And I could go on and on. I battled depression and wanting to commit suicide and was admitted into a mental institution. And I still battle with that. But then fast forward and everyone's like, oh, my God, but you did your executive education at Harvard and MIT and you run your own business now and you travel the world and you've been a goodwill ambassador. And I think that that right there, my story resonates with people and they're like, wait, that has been me or I know someone that has experienced that. And so I share that story because... We all have a story, and to be honest, I feel like we can judge people. We can look at someone and assume you know their life, and you don't. And you don't think, well, Natasha had to do five years of college because she couldn't get it done in four. Or when Natasha went for her first master's degree, her grades were barely good enough to get admitted that I went in for a personal face-to-face interview with the director of admissions to plead my case. He decided to give me a chance and said, well, you're going to have to repeat and take these courses for your first year as a provisional acceptance. And if you complete these courses with a B or better, then we will let you into our master's program. And so how do I get from academic probation and undergrad five years, repeating classes, fast forward to, okay, in another year or so I should be Dr. Saunders, is a lot of work, a lot of networking, a lot of self-reflection, and a lot of deciding to align myself with amazing people that can help me get there. And sometimes when you make that decision that you want more, you may have to lose some people around you. You may have to restructure who you spend your time with, and you're going to have to also deal with the naysayers, whether it's family or friends. And they'll say, oh, you think you're better than us. Oh, this, oh, that. But in reality, you just want more and you desire to do more and to be more. And so in a nutshell, in what I have time to share, that's pretty much a part of my story. But I think that's why I'm extremely passionate about the work that I do because I feel like, yes, it it may take us a little bit longer if we have these struggles, but it's doable. It's doable in our own time. Oh my gosh, Natasha, I got to tell you, I'm glad that you were talking while that was happening and I wasn't because I got incredible chills all over my body as you were sharing your story. And I welled up and I thought for just a second, I'm going to start sniveling and it's going to be going to be bad for the listeners. So I recovered myself. I'm fine now. But 
<laughs> that was amazing. And I love that you introduced yourself the way that you do. It's mm-hmm. so real. It's so authentic. And what I think is awesome about it is that by doing so, you help the the your your listeners or your the people that are in the audience really understand that, man, if you can get through this stuff, whatever they're going through, they can too. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Right, right, exactly. Oh. I mean, so I, I I can see how that would all contribute to the work that you do and, and what's how it's made you who you are. I mean, when I first met you and then when I talked with you on the phone for, for this conversation, I was so struck by all of the things that you're doing. And I think about just the boundless energy. And the other thing that I think about is how your whole life to me represents really the ongoing process of becoming writ large to me. It's just mm-hmm. That's just an example of like, you know, self-actualization in the process. Wow. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with it, shall we? (laughs) Because I Um, always feel like I'm in the process. I'm always feeling like I'm in the process of developing who I am. And, and, you know, the other day I joke and people are like, Natasha, why do you say that? I say, oh, I'm still trying to figure out who I am and what I'm doing. And they're like, what? Are you serious? And I'm like, (laughs) I am. And, 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 you know, tonight being this fantastic opportunity to speak with you, I begin my sabbatical on tomorrow. And December... Of every year, everyone knows Natasha shuts down, period. Unless you are my mom, my my dad, my brother, I shut down. And it's a time for me to reflect on how my year went, what I accomplished, what I didn't accomplish, what more do I want to do for next year? What were some of the mistakes I made? How do I fix those mistakes? Do I need to pray? Do I need to make amends with someone or do I need to eliminate something or someone in my life? And so I really appreciate that kind of assessment of how I've operated because I definitely think it fits me. (laughs) I think that's brilliant. And I agree with you. I think for me, I mean, I'm never going to quit becoming, right? I'm always going to be in that Mm -hmm. process of architecting myself and creating myself and coming into what I could be. So I am in complete alignment with you on that. And I love that you're that you're finishing your year with me before you go on mm-hmm. your sabbatical. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, for our listeners to understand a little bit more of the depth that you bring, um, will you just also sketch for us just some of the career, your professional background before you began doing what you're doing now? Sure. Um, so... I do like to go back to kind of my undergraduate years because I see now how important they were. And, you know, even though I didn't have the most stellar of grades, I did have the opportunity to design my own major in undergrad. And Mm. so basically um, this program that exists at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst is called BDIC, Bachelor's Degree with an Individual Concentration. So in short, um, when I was a student there, I had to write a proposal. You take a course, it's like a semester-long course, where you write this proposal on what is the major you want to create? What departments within the university will you pull from to create this major? What courses will you pull from that you want to take? Who's going to advise you through this process? And why should they approve this? Whether, you know, why, why can't you just pick a major? Why can't you just pick something that already exists? And so even at that time, I think back, wow, I designed this major called Independent Image Consulting. 
And basically, I combined my what I call the three F's that I love, fashion, fitness, and finance. And so I had three sponsors, and I would take my finance courses so that I can help individuals with their personal and family finances. I would also train them in the gym. Health and wellness is very important. And then you have the fashion piece, kind of the personal shopping, the image, and the branding. Now, I didn't know at the time, but I just knew those were the the things that I love. And my university supported me in crafting this major called image consulting. And so when I left um, undergrad, I had already uh, been working in retail. I'd been interning. I'd worked at Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Taylor, and got kind of my fashion background and the image and the professional dress experience from them. And then also fast forward to my um, finance background. I ended up working at State Street Bank in Boston. And then I uh, moved over to A.G. Edwards, which was a brokerage firm. So helping with um, 401Ks, 403Bs, IRAs, SEP IRAs, and those types of portfolio management duties. And then When I was working in finance, I fell in love with like, okay, I need to go back to school. And so a friend of mine had recommended that I go to Johnson & Wales University for my MBA. And I thought, well, isn't that a culinary school? Like, I'm going for an (laughs) MBA. And so he said, just come, you know, come check it out. And I'll never forget one one of the many people who have influenced me and changed my whole frame of mind was Dr. Alan Friedman. And he had worked at the university, and he's the one that I met with to kind of go over my poor grades in undergrad. And he's the one that saw in me, I'm going to give this girl a chance and admit her on a provisional basis and see how she does. And with him and the, the, the support of my manager at the time, his name was Doug Bates, and he was a vice president of investments at A.G. Edwards. And, you know, I have to take a step back because as a youth career coach, I love teaching my students the art of the comeback. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I call it. Because when I was interviewing for that job at A.G. Edwards, like a year out of undergrad, I had a spelling mistake on my resume. And now who would have thought 10 years later I'd be a coach, right? I had a spelling mistake on my resume and they pointed it out. So picture me, this African-American female sitting across a conference table with six Caucasian male brokers interviewing for this job and they find the mistake on my resume. And then Mr. Bates says, Natasha, you spelled university wrong on your Uh, resume. And it was listed there multiple times. I mean, uh, numerous times, but only one time it was spelled wrong. And I learned that all caps at the time wasn't always caught in spell check. And I was, (laughs) I was internally, I was embarrassed. And I said to him, into the, the board that was interviewing me, I said, Mr. Bates, I, I see you're correct that I have um, a mistake on my resume. And he said, Natasha, this is financial services. We, you, we can't afford to have any mistakes. If you miss a comma or a decimal, we may have to bust a trade because you made a mistake. And I said, um, 
And I remembered looking at them and making eye contact. And I said to them, I am sincerely sorry, and I apologize for this mistake on my resume. And I'll tell you this. If you give me the opportunity to work for you, and should I ever make a mistake, I hope it would never be my intention. But should I make a mistake on the job, I can assure you that, A, I would apologize and rectify and fix the situation immediately and take 100% of the responsibility for that mistake. And he, oh my gosh. I just Hold- remembered they, they just stopped. <laughs> like The room just got quiet. And I got that job. I got oh my that gosh. job, and I always taught my students, like, that's what Natasha calls it, the art of the comeback, because somebody could have been, at that moment, mortified, oh, my God, I have a mistake, and they wouldn't have bounced back, but we have to quickly, instantly bounce back without batting of an eye. And I was so honest and I gave them eye contact and told them that I would take responsibility for any mistake should I ever make it and fix it. And they were so impressed I got that job and I stayed there for about three years, my longest time. And he, Mr. Bates had, um, he really groomed me. He would come into the office every day and leave a book on my desk. Natasha, hold hold that thought, my dear. Hold that thought. I want to take a quick break here, and I want to hear more about Mr. Bates and such, but hold that thought. We've got to take a quick break. I'm Elise Cortez. We have been on the air with Natasha Saunders, who is the CEO and founder of the Youth Career Coach. And she, in addition to her various books and articles that she's written, she is also an MBA faculty at Trinity Washington University, leadership faculty at Northeastern University, consultant at the MBA Exchange, and scholar interview at the Journal of Negro Education, also a senior fellow at the American Leadership and Policy Foundation. After the break, we're going to hear a little bit about how she works with her with her students and the work that she actually does, as well as the rest of that story. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's one 888 
346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Natasha Saunders, the CEO and founder of the Youth Career Coach. She is a on a mission to prepare the next generation of young professionals for success through career and leadership development training. And in addition to some of the other things that she's done in her life, which are amazing, her career writing appears in The Parent's Guide to Starting the Career Conversation with InsideJobs.com, Why Internships Are Good, The Best education money can't buy and a chapter five author of the book obama and black loyalty volume one she joins us today from alexandria virginia i'm your host elise cortez before the break you were just finishing that really awesome story about you how Mm -hmm. you were interviewing and such and i didn't want to break us but i needed to (laughs) finish it for us if you would so um so yeah so i was saying that i ended up getting the job offer and I look at, you know, just the influence that Mr. Bates had on me at that time that he really took an interest in me as, you know, kind of my real first manager. And he would come into the office um, and leave books on my desk or articles or newspaper clippings. And he didn't have to say a word. It just meant read it and be prepared when I ask you a question. And I remember (laughs) he left a book by a gentleman named Thomas Sowell, who is a chief economist and a conservative, and it just completely blew my mind. And that is what led me to pursuing my MBA and getting that opportunity. And then while I was in that program, I fell in love with leadership as my concentration, and I fell in love with career development because I started doing this work volunteering. I worked for a while um, in retail um, as an assistant human resources manager, and it was at that point I saw young people coming in, applying for jobs, and not being prepared. They didn't dress the part, act the part, look the part. Their, their resumes were atrocious. They, th- their handwriting was messy on the application. And what I started doing was those who um, I could not hire, I offered to assist them outside of my job. And I would tell them to come meet me at the library at Joshua <laughs> Wills. And I remember the librarian said, Natasha, who are all these people coming in here that don't even go to this school asking for you? And I told her <laughs> what I was doing, and she said, okay, we're going to work on that. But you belong in career development. And I didn't know what career development was at that time. There was a term for this. And so like a true librarian, she gave me a book. And when she gave me that book, I read up, and she offered to introduce me to a gentleman named Bob Forcier, and the rest was history. It's like I found my lane in career development, and I went from Johnson & Wales to um, being recruited to work at Boston University under the one of the best managers I had, Justin McCummings, and then fast forward to being able to... Um, worked for MIT and worked in employer relations there under Deborah Liverman. And then I also served um, on the MBA admissions committee for MIT Sloan. And that opened my whole lens up to um, the admissions process. And that's how I ended up kind of adding to my umbrella how to get into Ivy League, Ivy League plus institutions from an admissions perspective. So in short, that's kind of my journey a little bit throughout my career. 
Not that you need anything else to add to your plate, Natasha, but at some point you got to write that story down, right? You got to write that down because that is like textbook beautiful as to how people can navigate their careers the way that you did. You just, you made all the right moves. You you got the right people involved and enrolled and you sought the resources. You did the work. It's just gorgeous. And I I feel very fortunate. and, And I think that's why when I coach students, I never... I just don't do the sympathy card. Like you, they can't usually come to me with something that I haven't experienced. And, mm-hmm. and I even say, you know, I went to a school that is top for hospitality. They are culinary hospitality. They're known, but they're not ranked for MBA. But what I did was I, and what I asked my students to do is I want you to go and I want you to look up every single name of every professor in your program. And then you're going to bring back to me their bio. And we're going to look through that bio. Where did they work? What boards do they sit on? Where did they go to school? Now we're going to strategically plot how you getting this degree and mastering the network that you're building is going to get you to your next level. Because for me to get from an MBA program at a school that wasn't ranked, it was because I listed the professors. When I saw Dr. Paul Boyd, alum, Wharton, Oh, I'm taking his class. <laughs> I mean, anybody that, any Ivy League school, board, whatever, where they went was where I wanted to go. So I made sure I took their classes, and that's how I got into the executive programs at Harvard and MIT, because I maximized that. But that comes with a plan. And I think that's what makes my coaching strategy a little bit unique, because I deal with a lot of students that may not have kind of the resources, so they think. We all have them. It's how and where. I worked with students one time. She said, well, my dad isn't in accounting, but he, like, fixes cars. What does that have to do with accounting? Well, I got an idea. How about you go to your dad's shop and say, Dad, do you know anybody's car that you fix that might be in business? And sure enough, that student was able to get a referral. So we all have connections. We just kind of got to encourage students to think outside of the box. You know, Natasha, when I was preparing and I was sharing the show with various people on social media and such, I I said, if you know anybody who has kids, you got to get them to listen to this episode. This is just gold in the stuff you're talking about. This is amazing what you do. It is very creative. It's strategic. It's out of the box. Oh, Mm Yeah, I've had my students do some very interesting things, like set up appointments with their doctor and then get their doctor to make an internal referral for an internship. <laughs> like, really? You want to go into medicine? Well, let's call your doctor. You have a primary care physician, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's, I do. I do things that are way out the box. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I yeah. have to say, you know, I'm from Oregon originally, and I love speaking foreign languages. I love your accent. I love it. Oh, thanks. I didn't know I had one until... Yeah, yeah. Of the two of us, you're the one that has one, not me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, another thing that I wanted to cue up for our listeners that I just, again, I just still shake my head on when I look at this, Natasha. You're in school still. You're doing an EDD in organizational leadership and communication. Don't you have enough going on already? What are you doing with that? And when are you going to be done with that? So... The pressure is on. Okay. <laughs> like, you need to finish. Mind you, I just got an email from my school this week. Natasha, uh, within four weeks, we need to have an outline calendar 
of how you're going to meet your deliverables because everybody wants me done next year. So it's um it had it definitely had been um a challenge. There was some ups and some downs. Um, I mean, I remembered um, going through my program a couple of years ago, and I had some personal things going on, and I didn't do well in my classes, and I was just like, I'm done with this program. Um, but I had some encouragement along the way, and I had to repeat classes, um, and I couldn't believe I made it through. I was like, wow, I finished all my classes. I did all this. I'm officially ABD. I'm officially writing. And so I'm trying to celebrate the small wins, but my my hope is that I will be done um, next year, 2017. So I'm mm-hmm. mapping out what that looks like. Some things may have to take a back burner. For example, maybe I'm not doing as many workshops next year so that I could then focus on school. But what I am looking at is, utilizing the internet more by creating an online course. That is Mm -hmm. something that I'm looking forward to launching by either next summer or next fall, because I realized I'd be able to reach more people. Not everybody can get into my workshops. And I also plan to start a pilot program to train other coaches. Now I have some youth career coaches that are under my umbrella now, but I've been getting emails about individuals that work with youth whether it's counselors, teachers, parents, but they want the curriculum. So, Natasha, can we use your how you teach interviewing, how you teach networking? And so that's really going to be my goal for next year is to create that online as well. So next year might be a little quiet for me to do some online work but to also finish school. And I think that once I finish I really feel like I personally want to rebrand and maybe like the book everyone's asking, Natasha, you need to write a book. I'd love to do that with Dr. Saunders. So um, I'm definitely going to get myself together. And in fact, the coach has hired a coach to help me achieve that goal. And that's something that I definitely believe in that we're never successful enough that we can't hire someone to help us along our way. So I'd been interviewing about three doctoral dissertation coaches, and I've um, settled on one that I really want to hire to help me for next year. I think that's brilliant. I, of course, mm-hmm. I, I also work with a coach. I provide executive coaching myself and also work with mm-hmm. a coach. I think it's so important. And, you know, your book, who knows, whatever you do for your PhD, it, or mm-hmm. excuse me, your EDD for your, do you have to write a dissertation? You do, don't you? Right. Okay, well, who knows? It could develop out of that, right? There's no shortage of things for you to write about, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be one of your first, one of your first, um, one of your first readers. Thank you. That means uh, a lot. I'm like, if I write it, who's going to read it? And everyone oh my that gosh. follows me online or that comes to all of my events, they're like, are you serious? What do you mean? <laughs> so I, I'm you. totally there. Totally there for you, okay. my dear. Totally. All right. Um, and as I say, I'm going to come find you on the East Coast and at least have coffee with you. So Okay. Although um, I may be in Dallas before you know it because I've been coming to Dallas like once or twice a year for the past three years. You guys have a lot of stuff going on down there we do now wait a minute now i think about it when i tweeted you that first time you were coming into dallas for a a conference right yes i did i attended um her name is nicole roberts jones she's a coach 
amazing. And so <laughs> she had a conference in your area and it was just phenomenal. She's phenomenal. The conference was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. And I would have mm-hmm. loved to have even stepped in for a moment. I would have been great. But anyway, I'll, maybe I'll catch it next time. But, um, yes. you know, I want you to say a little bit to, to our listeners about the various kinds of clients that you work with. Because when we spoke on the phone, mm-hmm. I was amazed at all the different kinds of people that you work with, not just college students. But tell us, right. who all do you work with? Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> so... My lane of expertise does vary. Now, my heart is with youth. So let's say that um, 13 to mid-20s, kind of that age bracket. Um, And that is very unique because you have some students that come from very, very wealthy families very wealthy, homeschooled or private school. And so some of their challenges might be unique. Then I have some students that may come from lower resource communities. Um, And then you have some that are kind of middle of the road. And so my client base, to be honest, varies between age, between race, between um, socioeconomic status. Um, But then I also have individuals that are more um, kind of mid-career, middle management, um, and some senior executives. And I, I always share that I'm just amazed when a CEO, executive, vice president calls me and they're like, okay, I need to hire you. And I'm like, uh, it clearly says youth career coach all over LinkedIn, all my <laughs> Young website, at heart. Google. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, well, I always ask, well, you know, what led you to work with me? Why, how do you know I can be of assistance? And it's usually around, well, I like how you've, I like your trajectory, the things that you've overcome, and I like mm-hmm. how you've branded mm-hmm. yourself, and I just need something different, and you, you think out of the box, and, and a lot of times, some of the senior level professionals may feel like they've, they've tapped out, like, what's left for me? Am I done? Like, mm-hmm. is, it, is it over? Like, do I just need to focus on my kids, and like, that's it? You know, and with me, I feel like if you're alive and you're still breathing, then your purpose and your assignment in life is not done. And my job is to kind of help you identify what that is right now and what you've also already accomplished. Because a lot of my older clients, more seasoned professionals, kind of just have gone through life and really didn't even take inventory of all the amazing things that they've done and places that they've gone and problems that they've solved and obstacles that they've overcome. They kind of just forget about that. And a lot of times they just need to be reminded. And then sometimes individuals want a career change and they're not quite sure, can I do that at my age? Can I leave my job and start a business? Can I go from this industry to that industry? And I'm very passionate about the multi-generational workplace and having the the Gen Zs coming up and the millennials and the Gen Xs and then, you know, the baby boomers all working simultaneously. I am extremely passionate about what that looks like in the workplace. And I remembered my father 
um, who retired from General Electric, he used to say to me, Natasha, young people don't read. They just don't read. And that is a huge component to my coaching style when I'm working with students, that if you want to um, say you want to something as simple as I like sneakers, okay, this kid likes sneakers, well, then I'm going to give them assignment. They need to tell me, well, who are the top three sneaker makers in the country, where are they located, who runs that company, who, what types of internships are available in, the, in that particular company, um, and I'll give them an assignment about their interest so that they have to read. If I'm doing a mock interview with a student or an executive client, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to tell me what was the last press release that came out about that company, about that um, department, and about that manager. I need a press release. I need a news release. I need a video. I need to know what is out there about this institution. And so you I'm really tough, passionate Natasha, about You are tough, Natasha, is what this. I'm hearing. Is you, you are <laughs> tough. <laughs> I am. No, I am. I don't play. I, I, I really don't because I, I feel like... Um, it's like one of the uh, one of my favorite movies is called Drumline, and so this guy named Nick Cannon is in this movie, and he can play the drums by ear. But then when they find out, he can't read sheet music, and it's mm-hmm. like, wait, but if this is your craft, like you don't respect your craft to be able to read the music that you are so passionate about, and so that's how I feel about coaching my clients that want to be in a particular industry, but you can't tell me who's on the board. You can't tell me, you know, what just came out about this company or who they merged with, but you're passionate about this industry? I don't think so. And oh so my I, gosh. I think Natasha, that, hold that thought. Hold on. We're going to take another quick okay. break. And you are, I love your passion. It's just everywhere. It's beautiful. Hold that thought. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Natasha Saunders, the CEO and founder of the Youth Career Coach. In addition to her various books and articles, she is also an MBA faculty at Trinity Washington University, leadership faculty at Northeastern University, consultant at the MBA Exchange, scholar interview at the Journal of Negro Education, and senior fellow at the American Leadership and Policy Foundation. Absolutely exhausting to to listen to all that. It's just amazing. After the break, we'll hear more about what she's talking about with her clients and also some of these roles that she's involved with. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Natasha Saunders, the CEO and founder of The Youth Career Coach. She is on a mission to prepare the next generation of young professionals for success through career and leadership development training. Her career writing appears in The Parent's Guide to Starting the Career Conversation with InsideJobs.com, Why Internships Are Good, The Best Education Money Can't Buy, and a Chapter 5 author of the book Obama and Black Loyalty, Volume 1. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. I had to interrupt you, Natasha, for, for that quick break there, but would love to have you finish your story about <laughs> giving your clients writing assignments and research assignments. I love that. You know, that I can honestly end it there, but I am, <laughs> I am known to give homework. So that's just what I do. Blame it on my dad who says we don't read enough or um, – but I just, I just find that it's, it's not just about the other, like where you're applying. It's about you and building your, your knowledge. Like they say SME stands for subject matter expert. And I want to build subject matter experts. And you become an expert in your field by reading. So if you're a journalist, you're a writer, you're an English major, when you're thinking, maybe this is something I want to do, then you need to read about the stories of those who have done that before you and start early. So I am, yeah, I'm known for the homework, given the homework. <laughs> no matter your age or your background, you're getting homework. <laughs> oh, I love that. And speaking of starting early, I was going to share with you, you said something in the beginning part of the show about sometimes your your clients will want to pursue a different line of work than what their parents do for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that when my own daughter was very young, like probably, I don't know, seven or eight, she's now 13, um, my then husband, her dad said, you know, she could be anything she wants to be in life as long as she is an investment banker or an accountant. He's an accountant. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm, have you met the young woman? I don't think that's going to be the right mm-hmm. path for her. She's very creative. Right. She's very sensate, et cetera. So to his credit, he said, okay, we'll do it. We'll do the thing your way. Right. So we'll let, we'll kind mm-hmm. of investigate and see just what it is that she likes. And lo and behold, she decided she wanted to become a chef. So we've, we've been giving her resources for that. Quite a big departure from an accountant, though. So I would love for you to share a little bit about how you navigate that fine line between working with parents who are probably paying for, Mm -hmm. you know, the the person you're working with. And if there is a disparity in interest or path, how do you navigate that? Right. Right. Um, It's definitely not 
easy, but I still find it rewarding because I remembered I had a student um, who was attending Boston University, and she had a passion for food and culinary arts, but her parents were paying for her to get a business degree. And um, we had kind of come up with this unique way of her interning in a restaurant, which one of my favorite dessert restaurants is Finale. That's where she ended up going in Boston. And finding a way to utilize her business skills in that setting. And so she ended up doing some writing and analysis work and marketing work for that company. And so perhaps at a later time, she will have the chance to pursue culinary school or pastry school if she desires to, but it is a unique mix. And my job is really to support both parties, and I encourage my students that just so you know, this is just the beginning. This is not the end. This is only the beginning. So even if you have to have this major, I'm going to encourage and support you to have some outlets. Now, maybe you volunteer at a food pantry or a shelter as a cook. Now you have your volunteer hours and something you're passionate about, but you're also pursuing the degree that your parents are paying for you to pursue. Maybe a second way of kind of navigating that is you interviewing, you're interviewing chefs and culinary experts at different restaurants and you're writing about them in your papers in school or you're analyzing their business because they want to grow and they want to expand, but you're using the skills in your business class. And so my role is really to help them not lose what they think they want, because a lot of times they're still experimenting, and I'm also very, um, I'm I'm very like pro parents. Like my mom was like, "This is what you're gonna do." Like I really didn't have. <laughs> it was like you're gonna play the piano and you're gonna go to piano every week, and you've been playing the piano since you was five years old, and you can't stop playing until you leave my house. That was the rule. And, you know, as a younger person, you're like, oh, my God, are you for real? Are you serious? I can't wait till I get out of the house. Fast forward 20 years later, I'm like, oh, my God, I missed the piano. I'm so going back to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I need parents to also think, okay, no, I do have some say, and I'm going to hold my foot down because there are some basic things that you need that you can't think about right now that you're not going to see the benefit until you get older. So I also don't want parents kind of shifting like, oh, well, he or she wants to do this, and I'm just going to – wait, hold on. <laughs> like, You know, you have some thoughts, and you know your child as well. There might be a few things that you kind of need to put your foot down on and then other things that you can compromise. But I'd never want it to just be a total compromise. And so working with students, it is unique uh, because of their interests and their passions and, and what the parents work but want. But I always find a way to balance it. And like I said, my job is also to let students know that this is just the beginning. When you get out, I, my, one of my bosses in financial services, she was an English major in undergrad, but she is one of the highest producing stockbrokers in Worcester today. 
she had a passion for the arts. And so not only is she an investment banker, she also invests in fine art and has a gallery. So we are a creation of multiple interests. And my job as coach is to guide you in those interests and find a way to connect the dots. If it's not your 9 to 5, it's your volunteer. If it's not your 9 to 5 volunteer, it's your personal network of influence. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's the books you're reading. But there's always a way to connect the dots. Mm, I think that is really, really fine work, Natasha. If you're able to help people do that kind of stuff, I tell you all the time people come to me and say, you know, I think it's amazing you host a show called Working on Purpose. I'd love to find my purpose anywhere. And the fact that you're able to help people thread that through their life somehow, some way is, I can tell you my listeners, I'm going to be happy they found you, I'm sure. You maybe, maybe you don't get that break in December after all, Natasha. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. I see the people. No, I, I saw the post online. Now, I say I'm going on sabbatical, and then it says, but you have to have lunch with me. Wait, no, we need to schedule coffee. But And I'm like, then I just, wait, how is that a sabbatical if I'm scheduling meetings? But I love it. No, I, I appreciate it. Like, how, how blessed am I to even have people that care? <laughs> like... Well, yeah, that want to work with you and want to meet you and want to spend time with you. Yes. Oh, my God. I do not take that lightly. Trust me. I don't take that lightly at all. It's like if anybody listens to anything and then one day, I think as a coach, it's like I I, I was sharing with someone quickly the other day about um, that they don't know what I do behind the scenes when I work with them. When students are applying to these top colleges in the country, they don't know that I'm praying for them. They Mm. don't know that I'm meditating for them, that I may sacrifice and fast a meal for them. Like my clients don't know that. And I don't need to tell them that. But when I take somebody on, this is also personal. Isn't it's not just about you. I'm praying for your success as well behind the scenes. And so I do take that very seriously. Oh, my gosh. People are so lucky to have you. We are pretty much out of time, Natasha, but I want to give you the last shake here, if you will. I'd like to give my guests the last say, if you will. So in 30 seconds, what else would you like to share with our listeners? I'd like to share my favorite quote that is my model by author Ash. And that quote is, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. I believe in that, and I believe if we all believe in that, we could just make little improvements every day just by what's already in your hand. Well, that is an amazing way to finish. And it reminds me, I was reviewing an episode previously that Jeremy C. Park was in, and he talked about how before he goes to bed every night, he makes sure that he does it does three things to advance his mission. Something, not just emailing, but something. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of that, Natasha. So beautiful way to finish. Thank you so much for being on the show and making time for Thank me. You. Thank you. And my listeners. Um, If you want to learn more about Natasha Saunders and the work she does coaching youth and their studies and their careers, visit her website. It's pretty simple. It's it's theyouthcareercoach.com, just as the name of her company is. Tremendous passion and experience in her field. Oh, my gosh. I'm so inspired. I've had goosebumps a couple of times in the show. Next week, we will be on the air with Paola Sabine, and she is of Neutrino Peach Labs, which is an ecosystem-based consulting company. 
what she's going to be talking about is sharing some of her proudest moments in her career as a chief executive in technology and innovation that included cutting costs dramatically and galvanizing the workforce to enthusiastically adopt the strategic initiatives of the organization, really against all odds. So see you then. See you next week. Remember that work is one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.